Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Live Q&A with uh, yours truly, Jonathan Stiano, plastic surgeon to the stars. And I have a list of questions which have been submitted or at least asked of me in the last week. But if you have any questions, please chip in, ask away. I'll be very happy to do my level best at answering it. But in the absence of questions, it's okay because I've got quite a good haul this week. Um, you know, been a bit variable recently, some weeks better than others. Hoping the audio's working. I'm just going to assume that because I think that's what a pro would do. I think a pro would just assume the audio's working and assume someone would comment to say it's not working. So I'm just going to assume that. That's a given. Oh, Olivia's on. I hope I'm, I am well, Olivia. And I'm assuming the audio's working. Otherwise, you talk. It's fine. Cancers is fine. Good. Right. Okay. So, uh, question number one. Um, question number one. Can you do a BBA, which is bilateral breast augmentation? I don't know if that's a. It seems to me that members of the public have got different abbreviations that we have got. Is BBA an abbreviation that a member of the public would know? Because that's the standard abbreviation for me, BBA. And yet, Sometimes people put, like, they put on the thing MR, which is muscle repair. But that's not, we don't use MR, but you use MR, I assume, because quite a few people put MR. And um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Anyway, there, I'm sure there are other ones which I haven't, I haven't known what you're talking about. But anyway, BBA is a standard one for me. Uh, and I think in the, in the industry, you know, uh, BBA, breast, uh, so breast augmentation bilateral breast augmentation so yes you can and i I know people get confused about this and and as to when you can do things to nipples because uh in mastopexies in breast lifts and breast reductions then you i wouldn't tend to do things to the nipple but that would usually be in terms of inverted nipple correction i wouldn't i don't tend to correct an inverted nipple at the time of a mastopexy or a reduction because you're moving the nipple so so um but an areola reduction, um, or or at least a breast augmentation, is different. When you're doing a breast augmentation, it's fine to do things to the nipple because you're not moving the nipple, so you're just um, putting the the implant beneath the breast. So if you have got a um, problem with your nipple in terms of an inverted nipple or an enlarged areola, which is the the areola is the pigmented area around the nipple, then that can be reduced at the time of a breast augmentation, no problem at all. Now, if you're having a mastopexy or a breast reduction, an areola reduction is actually part of it. So uh, that that uh, would be a, an integral part of doing the surgery. But in terms of doing things to nipples and areolas, it's um, fine to do that during a breast augmentation. Although you have to be a bit wary about doing stuff to the nipple for a breast reduction or a mastopexy. But um, I've, since I've been answering that question, I've realised it hasn't it hasn't linked in, has it? Because I was if that question had had been can you do a breast augmentation and an inverted nipple this would have been a bit 
my my talking about breast reductions would have been a bit more relevant because you can't do an inverted nipple at the time of a breast reduction, but you can at the time of a breast augmentation. Whereas an areola reduction is anyway. I yeah, okay. Right. What's going on? Audio is fine, good. It's working. The word on everyone's lips with the new lockdown. Was there any update on surgery? Fingers crossed. Is that the word on everyone's lip? Um, I think the update, Olivia, is the same as what it was last week, which is oh, you're, oh no, you're talking about surgery. No, Olivia. Well, maybe I don't know what's happened. You know what? A week, a week. What's happened in the last week? I'll tell you where we are with surgery, Olivia. Um, so obviously. Local anaesthetic cases are starting on 6th of July at the clinic, and we're opening the clinic 6th of July. GA cases, they've been in touch. I can't remember what I said to you last week, but they've been in touch to say that the NHS contract is between uh, off sort of like nine to five. And so they're uh, opening up theatres for um, uh, private cases after five and at weekends. But they haven't actually given us date, dates or slots. So what we've we've submitted the cases that we've got to do, including you, and um, we're hope wait. You know, we want them to give us slots because then we can give slots to patients to see if they're suitable and um, so that they can get booked in without time off work, etc. So um, so that's good that they are that they are. That, there, that there's movement, Olivia, but um, we can't. We haven't got specific dates for GA cases. The three-hour thing is still um, present, so we shouldn't really be doing cases longer than three hours. So that means multiple procedures or combined procedures like tummy tucks and um, breast procedures. We we're having to do either in do one or the other, or suggesting that you wait to. Um, see if that is released uh, is relaxed it may be next year i'm not sure whether it'll be relaxed or not but at the moment it's not a thing that we're doing longer long drops um yes i do like the room change around thank you yeah thank you window yeah thank you i do change as good as the rest didn't know the nine to five weekends bit yeah um, but when we still haven't got dates because that's the problem, nine to five uh, in, and weekends. But that's for all surgeons. So you know, in the old days, remember back in the old days, back in February, um, I had a list every Monday and Tuesday. But obviously, that has gone out the window, and I just got to take it when I can get it. But you know, I'll do, I'm happy with that. I'll take it. You're hoping by November. Yeah, seems reasonable, uh, Olivia. Seems reasonable. Sounds re totally reasonable to me. Um, oh, I, I didn't put this up, did I? All this. Anyway, for Instagram, I've got things that I can put up on Facebook. It says live Q&A. Please comment and share. Anyway, uh, how soon... Uh, can I fly following surgery? So, sorry, I'll get rid of that thing that's scrolling down the bottom. Now that I've put it up, um, so I always the answer to this question is depends what you're flying for. So, if you happen to have surgery one day and then you need to go on a plane, well, <laughs> who's asking this question? Actually, thinking about it, no one can fly at the moment anyway. Who's asking? How soon can I fly following surgery? 
Forget the surgery. You can't fly. The airport's open. Anyway, rise above it. Who's on? Let's have a look. Who's answered that question? Yeah, okay. Um, so um, let's assume airports are open and assume aeroplanes are flying. Um, there's no um, thing. No, no thing. There's no thing to stop you flying straight away. And uh, sometimes, you know, you see people who have injuries abroad, who um, maybe have some sort of stabilizing surgery and then come to the UK to have, you know, um, more, you know, whatever, more surgery or, or post doc treatment. So you can actually fly soon after surgery if you absolutely have to. So, um, you know, if, if you absolutely have to, then you can. You're not going to. Nothing's going to go off at the airport. The sort of alarm going to go off, and it's going to stop you. Um, but realistically, if you want to fly, um, what I normally say to people is, "Here's what it's for." So, if it's for a nice thing, a, 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 like a holiday or something like that, you want to be in a good position. You don't want to be sore. You don't want to be achy. Um, when you have surgery, you're increasing your risk of DVT, clots in your legs, um, which can fly up into your lungs in the form of PE. It's a serious complication of any surgery. And flying has also got that risk. So you don't want to be multiplying up your risks. So really what you're looking at is probably uh, six weeks. I would say things will start to settle at six weeks. You will start to feel a bit better. Um, you'll still be a bit sore at six weeks. So if you want a really nice holiday, you know, two, three months. Um, but if you, you know, a desperate champion of the bit and you don't mind having a relaxing holiday and not doing much, you might be a bit uncomfortable carrying your suitcases at the airport and things like that. But um, yeah, so six weeks is the sort of norm, I would say, um, for flying. Um, Sue, what are you, sorry, when are you able to do consultations again? Well, Sue, I'm doing consultations in a virtual fashion as we speak. Well, at the moment, uh, which you can book online, you can book on the Facebook page and um, we'll, we'll have a chat and we'll do a video chat like this. Uh, in terms of face-to-face, -face, we're starting in July, 6th of July we're starting. And so, um, yeah, so 6th of July, we're starting to do face-to-face and we're just, we're working at the moment day and night tirelessly putting in all our policies and procedures which are now changing because of the distances and distancing is changing. But um, yeah, we 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 that's when we're starting. Um, so, may I ask your question? Uh, can I be honest? I don't like the background. Okay, yeah, you can be honest, um, Olivia. Thanks for that. I thought you said you'd like them to change around. You don't like the background. Okay, good. Okay, any other comments about the background? Feel free to. Uh, I flew the day after my sister, my back surgery. Wow, did not feel well. Ten hour, oh crikey, ten hour flight, Olivia. Jeez. Yeah, when you're flying, I'm not talking about a 10-hour flight. Yeah, that's probably a bit too, but then a cyst on your back maybe not too big. Kelly, can you have BA over muscle to replace under muscle existing ones? What are the pros and cons? So yes is the answer, Kelly, you can. So that would be known as changing the plane. So from, sorry, to replace it. So the under muscle at the moment and you want to go over muscle. Yeah, you can, um, you can change the plane. So you can go under to over or over to under. So what are the pros and cons? Well, basically, Kelly, uh, there are pros and cons. They are, I guess, the pros and cons of over or under. So the, the pros of, of um, over, which is on top of the muscle, is that it doesn't hurt as much, doesn't bleed as much, recoveries quicker. Also, the implant sits with your breast. And so um, that is good. The When you put them under, 
hurts more, bleeds more, recoveries slower. And the implant can sometimes be held up by the muscle, can sometimes sit high, can sometimes sit wide. The muscle you can get wide. If you get really wide cleavage, that's usually for some of the muscle if they haven't released the muscle properly. And you can get animation deformity. So if you exercise, you're moving your arm, uh, the, the breast moves. So I'm assuming yours are under the muscle now. So I'm assuming you've got one of those problems. I'm assuming you've either they're either sitting high or they're sitting wide or you've got animation deformities. I would imagine you've got one of those three problems because that would be a um, that might be a reason that you are going from under to over. So you don't want to have the implant sitting high, wide, or animation deformities. Understandably, um, so that would be perfectly reasonable to go to over. The problem with doing over because you might say that sounds terrible having it under. Why would you have it under? Well, the reason you'd have it under is if you haven't got much covering over your chest. If you can see your rib cage, if you're very slim up here, you haven't got much breast tissue, you worry about being able to see or feel the edges of the implant. You worry about being able to see the edges, rip, visible rippling. If you hold up an implant, they all ripple. Um, and you worry about being able to see those ripples. And so that's what the muscle does. It gives an extra layer of cover. So that's that's the, the, the con of going on top. So you presumably have got one of the pro, uh, one of the cons of going under at the moment. So therefore, you're hoping that will be solved by going on top which may be the case, but you run the risk of being able to see the edges of the implant, feel the edges of the implant. Because the thing that would a, a slight alarm bells with me, Kelly, is that someone at some point thought they would be better off putting it under the muscle with you. So they must have thought you didn't have enough cover. Unless you've put on weight or your body shape has changed since you had them done first time, you've got to think, mm, why did this one put on the muscle? Um, so it's less common going that way, Kelly, than going the other way, going on top to under. So you're not often, but if you went on top and you could see them and you had rippling, then you might change to under, um, accepting the potential risk for that. But going under to over is a bit less common because the fact that you've gone under at some point in your life means that someone at some point has thought that you didn't have enough cover. So that would be a bit of a worry. You could have fat grafting to try and cover them. That would be an option, potentially. Um, so there are things that could be done, but it's, um, it's a good question, Kelly. Um, uh, can the frame around you oh that frame um you know what olivia i did that frame once and i can't get it off yes i can i've just got it off okay <laughs> okay oh god i'm sure i tried to get that off before and i couldn't get it off okay there you go i've got it off all right hey hope so much for that. Um, Sue, what's your take on an uplift and implants at the same time? Thank you, um, Sue. I have got a take on that. And my take on that is it's a big operation and it's a big deal. And I have a good proper discussion with people about it because I don't think you should take it on lightly. Um, an uplift is a big operation. You're tightening the skin and then you're putting an implant in. You're tightening the skin again. So you've got a risk of wound healing problems. Uh, if the wounds don't heal up properly, you've got a risk of uh, getting infection. And if you get an infection in the implant, you have to remove the implant. So it's a big deal. And so you have to be careful. And for that reason, it's, you know, it has got a high complication rate in terms of all the cosmetic breast surgery that, that we do. Now, in the cosmetic breast surgery has got a low complication rate overall compared to other types of surgery. But within the cosmetic breast surgery world, an uplift with implants is right up there in terms of complications, as I say. Um, wound healing, infection, and uh, removing the implant. So therefore, it's not to be taken lightly. So therefore, 
I'd have a discussion with people and I say to people, it's a big deal. It's a big complication right now. If the shape and the size are an issue, a breast uplift to do the sort out the shape and a breast implants to sort out the size is the best way to do it. No question. It transforms the shape of the breast. It transforms the volume and it is a great operation. But if you've got one overriding problem and the other problem is not quite so bad. So if it's mainly the shape that you're worried about and the size, you just want to be a bit bigger, but not really that bothered. Or if it's mainly the size you're worried about and the shape, you're like, they're sitting a bit low, but that doesn't really bother me because they look okay in a bra. It's really the size I'm worried about and I want to be bigger. Then you could think of just having one um, one operation being either an uplift or implants and then seeing how you feel. So if you have an uplift, see how you feel. You might be okay with the size. And if you're not okay with the size, you can always have um, implants at a later date. Uh, similarly, if it's just the size you want, particularly if you want to be bigger, then implants might take up some of that slack skin and might go some way to addressing the shape or nowhere near as good as having a lift, but it might be enough for you. And if not, you could always have a lift at a later date. Um, so that is my take on it, Sue. If you're absolutely sure it's a lift and implants that you want, then it, I do do a lift with implants in one operation. But if you're not sure, and if one's an overriding problem, I think there's a lot to be said for just doing one of them, whether it be the lift or the implants, seeing how you feel, and if you're not happy, you could always have the other one later on. There's a lot of very good, very well-respected plastic surgeons who don't do it in one operation. They will always stage it. They will routinely stage it. They'll do it in two operations. So um, I, I do do it in one operation, but I tell everyone it's got a high risk of complications. And so you have to be uh, aware of that. And it's, a, it's, a, it's always an option to stage it. But thank you for that. Stripey one. I'm under and they sit wide. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, certainly sitting wide is a risk of, of putting them under, but uh, under the muscle, that is. But in terms of um, that, the I mean, it depends on how much you've got, Kelly. This is why it needs a discussion, because you, if you really need them under, then you could try and release the muscle more. Uh, it may be that they haven't released the muscle. There's some very big blood vessels here that people worry about. And... Um, you worry about bleeding. That's Happy to see you here. Okay, so I put the microphone on a block to make it higher. Was that a good? I thought that was good. Anyway, um, so there's very big blood vessels here. And sometimes people worry about dividing those, and if you um, you can get a lot of bleeding, and so um, that is why they often sit wide and the muscle can start hold it wide. So the other option would be rather than changing to on top of the muscle to trying to divide those, divide them, release the muscle a bit and to, to medial, medialize the implants a bit is another option if you haven't got enough to cover them. But um, yeah, it's a tricky one, Kelly. It's a tricky one. It's a risk, Kelly. It's a risk going on the muscle. It's, there's pros and cons with everything. Yeah, you think uh, thanks sounds sense because the uplift first. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for having, you know, one of them, just either the uplift or the implants um, first. Um, okay, um, I'm a previous client of Mr. Stiano's, and as I'm getting older, I'm putting on weight and struggling to get rid of it. Therefore, I'd like to discuss my options, please. It's mainly my stomach area, as I can tone my legs up quite easily. I used to have a very flat stomach with no stretch marks from having three children. I'd just like some definition back. So basically, this uh, 
patient is, I know her well, and she is, um, think she, I, I, she sent me a photo, which I, I um, which basically shows she's got a great abdomen without a huge amount, to be honest with you. And so it's, it's a tricky one and it's a tricky area, an area that I struggle with, to be honest with you. I do struggle with this group of patients, full disclosure. I I see patients who haven't got a huge amount. They've just got a little bit in the tummy. They, you know, um, they just want to, basically, I've put the title there, liposuction to the tummy, because in my head and in maybe their head, although she hasn't said it there, they're thinking a little bit of liposuction. In my hands, liposuction to the tummy just doesn't work well. It just doesn't work well. It's the problem with liposuction. It's quite expensive. And and I have found that patients' expectations, and to be quite honest with you, my expectations have been higher than what it has delivered when I have done liposuction to the tummy as a sole procedure. Now, it works well if you've done a tummy tuck and you've got a bit of fullness up here. Then it does. Then I have got good results with it. But as a global lower abdomen liposuction to the tummy, it's it's marginal how much better it can make it. It's it's uh, you know this actually this patient might be a candidate for it to be honest with you. But the problem with it and the the nubbins of the problem with liposuction is it doesn't remove skin. It just removes fat, and that is the same as weight loss. Weight loss does the same thing. Um, um, what she said about weight? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on weight and struggling to get rid of it. That is the nubbins of the problem. It's weight. You know, if you you need to try and lose weight, so if you lose weight, that will probably be a better way to treat this. Now, I haven't got the answers about losing weight, but that is the best treatment, I would say, because the the issue is if you take out the fat, the skin, the, you can be left with some redundant skin there, and that doesn't look good. And that's what I've found when I've tried liposuction to the tummy. The skin doesn't recoil as well as we'd like, and it, and it doesn't give as good a results as I would like. The hips, yes. The upper abdomen, yes. The outer thighs, yes. Uh, lateral chest, yes. There's certain areas where the liposuction does work well. The skin recoils well. The skin's a bit thicker and it recoils well. Central tummy, particularly below the belly button, it's pretty subtle. Now, there are some ways that people can say you can get skin retraction with um, a certain techniques now there's assisted forms of liposuction like vaser and laser lipo like smart lipo and um, uh, radio frequency and there's all these things that can deliver energy to to the skin and to the fat that will um, potentially cause some degree of skin retraction and they say that they they do cause some skin retraction and they would be somewhere that i would think would be a good area to address this problem the issues so there's those and there's also the non-surgical liposuction the cool sculpting the um uh god i shouldn't use one trade name without using the others there's those of others radio frequency this is cool sculpting is cold there's heat um oh god anyway and there's um radio frequency and um Sorry, the names escape me, but there's lots of different machines out there, all sorts of machines, which either freeze the fat, heat the fat, or um, uh, deliver radio frequency energy to the fat. And they report to cause some degree of skin retraction as well. So delivering some kind of energy does report to cause some degree of skin retraction. Now, I don't offer these at the clinic because from my experience of them, I haven't found 
that they'd given dramatic results, a bit like when I've done surgery, but I guess people can perhaps accept a less dramatic result if they're not having surgery. I think if you have surgery, you expect a fairly dramatic result. Um, but the stuff's quite expensive, to be honest with you. The machines are expensive and it's all, you know. So um, I don't um, embrace them and I haven't used them, but I know a lot of people do and there's a massive industry in terms of the non-surgical liposuction and the, uh, or it shouldn't be called liposuction, non-surgical liposculpture, I guess you have to call it, or the um, assisted forms of liposuction like VASER and LASER. So I know there's a big industry there. So I would say to you, look at someone who's doing it and look if they're getting good results and something that you might want to um, consider um, because that might be an area that this sort of thing will be ideal for. Liposuction to the tummy, really difficult area to treat surgically in my experience and in my hands. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that picture. And audio is clear this week. Well, it makes a change, Olivia. makes a change. Kids must be not on there games um or maybe there's something in the air different bleeding implant types um my list of questions difference between implant types please um so yes so implant types um i guess breaking it down let's break it down guys let's break it down they've all got a silicone shell everyone 100 percent of implants got a silicone shell can't have an implant without a silicone shell. There's two different fillings, saline or silicone. In this country, we don't really use much saline. We're mainly silicone implants in this country. So, um, yeah, so you got, so all got silicone shell and pretty much all got silicone gel inside in, in, in this country. You could have saline, but as I say, we don't really use that. So all implants are, are a silicone shell with a silicone gel. And then I guess the difference is uh, the difference in the implants comes in the, the, the coating. That's the difference. And broadly speaking, broadly speaking, there are three types. Smooth, textured, polyurethane. Smooth is smooth. Textured is rough. Polyurethane is very rough. So um, uh, they become increasingly rough. And the good thing about having them increasingly rough is that they're less likely to go hard because they break up the scar tissue around the implant. So less likely to get capsular contracture bad thing about having them more rough is more likely to get ALCL, which is a type of cancer associated with implants, which seems to be associated to the roughness of the implant. So um, the smooth ones are less likely to get the ALCL than the rough ones, but the uh, rough ones are less likely to go hard than the smooth ones. So yeah, broadly speaking, three types, smooth, rough, and polyurethane, polyurethane being rougher than the rough ones. And they are bringing out ones now in, in terms of the um, uh, ALCL, because of the worries of the ALCL, they're bringing what they're calling um, uh, micro-textured instead of macro-textured. Macro-textured is, is, is sort of a classic rough one, but they've got micro-textured ones and nano-textured, which basically means they're not as rough as the rough ones but they're not as smooth as the smooth ones, and they're hoping that they've got the um, benefits of both. Potentially, they'll have the downsides of both. So it's a tricky one, guys. It's a tricky one. But basically, if you're looking at implants, those are the three types you've got to choose from, smooth, textured, or polyurethane. Those are the only three types. In terms of if you if you want polyurethane, there's only one make that make them, Polytech. If you want a textured or a smooth silicone implant, there's several makes that make them. So you can choose between the makes. Um, but they're all going to be either smooth or textured silicone. Um, so, 
Oh, look at this. Wow. Hold on a minute. I've just seen a good comment. Sorry. I just my eyes drawn to it. Uh, clear. My friend, let's have a look. Olivia, my friend at school coaching. That's the problem, Olivia. That's the problem. I it is, This stuff is very expensive. And in my experience, I found the results to be subtle. But these assisted things and these non-surgical, it's a huge growth industry. The non-surgical industry is a huge growth industry. And the surgery industry is going down and the non-surgery is going up. Everyone wants to have no downtime. Everyone wants to not have surgery. Understandably, I wouldn't want to have surgery myself. Um, so it's a huge industry. But you've got to be... Uh, you've got to align expectations with what can be achieved, basically. That's how you get a happy patient. And that's really hard if you're charging a lot of money to try and say to people, mm, results are going to be really subtle. Please hand over a lot of money. So, uh, Sue, I thought silicone wasn't considered safe anymore. No, Sue, I don't know where you got that from. Um, years ago, many years ago, in America, they thought silicone implants were causing um, harm, um, connective tissue diseases and other um, illnesses so they were banned in america um, so they had to use saline implants and as i say saline implants have still got a silicone shell but they haven't got silicone gel um, and they've done huge studies and they haven't found any problem any illness associated with silicone implants so they're back on the market we've always used them in europe and, and in the uk um, we never stopped using them and um now there's all there's often uh, there's things to be aware of. I wouldn't say they weren't aren't considered safe, but there's things to be aware of. So they can cause problems. Now any implant can cause infection, and that infection can require the implant to be removed. They can go hard in the future, which might require another operation. Um, they can, which as I say, can be lessened by having a rougher one. They can uh, cause ALCL, which is a type of cancer associated with implants. So you might say, my lord, alive cancer associated with implants now it's very rare and it's treatable but still it's out there so you have to be aware of that that is a risk but still um and that's why the smooth ones and also something called breast implant illness which is an illness associated with implants um which um well it's basically a, a, there's quite a large group of patients who become unwell when they have implants put in uh, they're usually quite non-specific their symptoms like tiredness and hair loss and rashes uh, joint pains, quite quite non-specific, and they feel it's due to their implants. And when you remove the implants, they get better. Um, there's no medical connection that says that the implants have caused these problems, but still, these patients feel a lot better when the implants are removed. So that's another thing to consider if you're considering having implants. There are potential um, downsides of having implants. Of course, there's upsides, but you've got to also balance the upsides with the downsides, as with anything in life. There are potential downsides in anything, and you have to uh, balance those downsides with the upsides. Um, yeah, this was the uh, comment I saw, which uh, I admire you for your time and information you give to us ladies. Blimey. Thanks, Joyce. Um, pleasure. Pleasure. Wow. Thanks about that. Yeah, very happy. And let's not be, um, you know, let's not be sexist. You know, men, men are welcome. Olivia, question. I was talking to another carer, not asking for me. She's talking about liposuction on lymph, uh, lymphedema. I think you mean lipedema. Um, she's 16 stone. Is it even a solution? Um, 
So lipedema is uh, an abnormal um, distribution of fat, often in the lower limbs, often in the legs, and it's a um, it's a condition and liposuction. It's a difficult um, treatment. It's a difficult condition to treat, uh, but liposuction is a potential uh, option for it. And uh, as with any surgery, weight loss will be the first port of call. But often patients have um, got a high BMI. But I think I think her best bet would be weight loss, although that might be easier said than done. And uh, but yes, liposuction is an option um, for for that. Um, I watched having one session of cool sculpting. It was comical. Thanks for all the info. It was very helpful. Blimey, getting some good comments today. You must be getting something right. What's going on? The one with lots of fluid. One with lots of fluid. Is this the legs? Is it? Uh, is it? If it's edema, then uh, it could be heart failure or something. They must see the doctor. They must get a diagnosis of uh, lipedema or, or lymphedema. It could be lymphedema as well. Um, but yeah, it needs to probably see someone to get a diagnosis. But I think weight loss could probably be um, considered a good first option or I understand there can be issues with that or at least difficulties in that. So where are we up to? Please could you talk about the added problems or complications associated with performing press reduction when the patient has gigantomastia. Now gigantomastia is a condition and it's a rare condition and most people with large breasts just have large breasts, and uh, so a breast reduction is is the treatment for that. Gigantomastia is a condition where you get extremely large breasts. Often, the people who it's completely out of proportion with their frame. Often, at young age, it can happen to quite young people, and um, it's a very difficult problem to treat because the breast just keeps on growing. And sometimes, and this is a really rare as hensty thing you might have to do actually mastectomies to actually remove the breast. Um, so I think gigantomastia is probably used in this terms, I'm, I'm imagining, is so gigantomastia is a condition where the breast just keeps on, keeps on growing as opposed to someone who's just got large breasts. I mean, obviously during um, development they grow, but then they tend to sort of stabilize unless you do things like have children or put on weight because that can make them grow again. But as long as your weight's stable and you don't have children, they tend not to sort of, keep and keep on keep on growing so most people have just got um, uh, um, who, who are candidates for breast reduction have just got large breasts so if you've got large breasts then obviously there's complications with the breast reduction which are not insignificant but um, it's traditionally not gigantomastia if you have got uh, gigantomastia where your breasts keep on growing you probably won't possibly want to get involved get a breast surgeon involved and um, you know get thinking you know about what the best treatment for it is because it is a significant uh, condition, but also a very rare condition um, where the breast just keeps on growing. So, um, yeah. And so the complications, I guess, in a true gigantomaster is they keep on growing and it gets, you know, you do a breast reduction and they keep, and they get bigger again. Um, oh, what am I doing on the mouse? Right. What we got? What do we got? We got this. That's what we got. Um, after tummy tuck, should ladies still be having bad swelling around the scar site six months post-op and will prolonged wearing of compression garments help? Um, six months is quite a long time, isn't it? Six months is quite a long time to be still having swelling after a tummy tuck. But 
it's not crazy long time. You know, I think the first year is really the healing. So I normally say things start to settle around three months. So six months is quite a long time. But I think I wouldn't be like massively worried unless the swelling is sort of sloshing about and it's actually seroma. Is it free fluid or is it just generally the tissues are swollen? Or is there still some fat there? You know, is it fat? It's hard to, it can be hard to tell what the swelling is actually. Um, but at six months, I wouldn't be particularly worried. I would be saying to you, are you taking it easy? Because often if you're not taking it easy, and it may be that you're working, you're not able to take it easy, which is fine. But if you're not able to take it easy, and if you're not taking it easy, you worry that it's going to um, be, the swelling is going to take longer to settle. It is a bit of a false economy if you can't relax and, and rest after a big operation like a tummy tuck, and it can take longer for the swelling to settle. So at six months, I would think there's still mileage for improvement there. Um, and I think, yeah, if it is swollen, then yes, I would say prolong, well, First of all, check with your surgeon, because don't do what I say, do what your surgeon says, because um, I don't think I'm your surgeon. But if, um, but in general terms, I would say it would not be unreasonable to continue wearing your compression garment as long as it's not causing problems in terms of digging in or chafing or anything like that. And the other thing is, at six months, usually around three months, I say, well, let's see how you go. Um, if you want to stop wearing your garment for a while, then stop wearing it for a while. And if it swells up, think, crikey, I'm not going to do that again. I'll put it back on again. Or if you stop wearing it for a while and nothing happens and it's just the same, well, then maybe you can carry on not wearing your garment. So you can just sort of mix and match and see how you feel. But yeah, if it's still swollen and you're finding the compression bar and it helps, by all means. A lot of people say, some people say, when can I take this garment off? My Lord, it's, you know, real nuisance. Other people say, I quite like it. Can I carry on wearing it? I'm like, yeah, of course you can. If you like it, protection, it feels more comfortable. Why not? Have a go. Knock yourself out. Absolutely. Right. I had breast surgery last year. Uplift and 375cc implants. I want to go larger, around 850cc. This is something I'd like doing as soon as possible and therefore would like to discuss. Um, this is... I think we've all got a niche. And this is not my niche, really. I'll be honest with you. I'll be completely honest with you. My niche is not... I mean, some people, uh, some surgeons are able to take on patients who want bigger implants but it's not really where i am my um patient uh, demographic my group of patients is more mums who've had children who maybe lost weight lost volume and i go with more modest size implants so for me um 375 is, is a reasonable size implant um you know, you could maybe sometimes you go 400, 500 cc implant. And I think after that, you're pushing it. And the problem I've got with using implants, and I know people use implants of 850 and bigger. The problem I've got with using those sorts of implants is I find it hard to make it look good. You're probably into the realms of custom custom made implants because um, you've got to be careful with the width. And it, is, it gets harder and harder to hide that implant because you've still got the same amount of breast tissue you had before you even started any of this. Just because you've got bigger breasts now, 375 cc's of your breast is implant. So you've still got that breast, same breast that you've got now, which is hopefully covering your 375 cc implant. You know, how is it going to get on covering an 850 cc implant? You've got more likely to see the edges, more likely to get rippling, more likely to get problems, the weight of the implants. You've already had a lift. You know, you've got a lot of heaviness in terms of the, the weight, giving traction on the tissues. It's something that I know I would struggle to do. And so I would say at this point, it's not really where my 
um, my niche and my specialty is and you're probably better off seeing someone who has got more of a uh, expertise in that area of putting big implants in um, it is not my field of expertise so 850 is a little bit big for me a little bit big so i'm not sure if i'm your man sorry to disappoint uh i mean by the way f uh um this is the last question okay so if you've got a question get in there because in a in a in not too long this once this question's over who knows what will happen i think i'll have to go and have dinner you know so um by all means get in there get your question in um because i would love to hear your question oh what's happened here Way, what, what? Oh God, have I missed this? Has there been anything on some of that? So two of them might not happen. Are these comments? That was me thinking I can have surgery next year. I mean, if I have the surgery in February, can I? Sorry, I've missed all this on Instagram. Where have I been? Where is Ryan? Oh God. Um. Right. Oh, I don't have any questions. That was me thinking. Yeah, I think I'm good. Am I? Um, so, mons pubis. The uh, I'm inquiring what treatment you offer to reduce the mons pubis. If it was included within the liposuction you offer or any other treatments you offer, I haven't got much context. Um, uh, context. Sorry, Beck. That was ages ago. Sorry, I haven't been. I didn't see the thing. I don't know what I've done. I haven't got much context with this question, but I'm assuming most people who have a problem with their mons pubis um, either need a tummy tuck or have had a tummy tuck. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone with an isolated mons pubis problem. And often people who need a tummy tuck or, or, or have a tummy tuck don't know there's a problem with their mons pubis um, until they have the tummy tuck and then suddenly there's a bulge there. Um, the mons pubis is, is the, the area where the pubic hair is. That's the mons um, and it can can be well, particularly in people who've lost 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 a lot of weight. So you can do things to the mons, and again, it is always best to be aware of that prior to um, surgery. Sorry, Beck. I'm sorry if I missed your question. I didn't know I'm I'm new to all this. Um, so you can do stuff to the to the mons, um, and. So the first thing is to realize it. So um, what we do when we examine you, we'll have a look. And if you, it's as I say, it's usually people who've got a significant weight loss. So there's an overhang and an apron there, which is sort of hiding the mons. So people might not know. So if you have got a fullness of the mons, it can be uh, addressed at the time of a tummy tuck. Again, I'm assuming you're having a tummy tuck. So, um, uh, but it's limited what you can do to the mons when you do a tummy tuck. And normally what I would do is I do perhaps some liposuction, maybe take a bit of a wedge out from it. But I would say to you, um, a wedge being like a slice of cake to try and make it a bit less full. I would say to you, you're limited what you can do to the mons. If you've got a really prominent mons, a really full mons, you can address it at the time of a tummy tuck and you can make it less prominent, but there might still be some prominence there. And the reason you can't go crazy on the mons when you're doing a tummy tuck is because the overriding principle of doing a tummy tuck is that you have an incision at the bottom an incision at the top. The incision at the bottom 
goes in your in your bikini line in your in your sort of where your if you've got a cesarean where your cesarean scar is and the incision at the top goes over your belly button much higher if you just cut that incision out and closed it the scar would end up halfway between the two but the scar doesn't end up halfway between the two the scar ends up where your lower incision is so what you do is you undermine underneath the upper incision to bring the upper incision down to meet the lower incision so you have a low scar so you don't someone when were they asking about the um thighs was that last week they're asking about do your thighs get better when you do a tummy tuck you don't go south when you do a tummy tuck you don't undermine south you only undermine north so that the scar from the top meets the scar at the bottom and you want the scar at the bottom to be anchored so you don't want to significantly undermine the mons if you significantly undermine the mons and make that skin sort of wobbly and movable then that can lift up you can get a clitoral lift i'm sorry am i past the watershed I'm sorry to use that term. I hope Facebook don't um, ban me. I mean, I don't know if non pubis is bad enough. But anyway, I'm using all these rude terms. But um, you, you, And that can be really uncomfortable, you know, if you lift that up too high. That can be really uncomfortable. And, and the other thing you can do is if the scar isn't anchored down in that bikini area, the scar can migrate up. So you can get a scar that migrates up. So that, that's... A, it is a problem doing stuff to the mons at the time of the tummy tuck so you are limited what you can do at the time of the tummy tuck so sometimes what we'll say is look we'll do what we can we'll do our best to address it and try and make it less prominent but if it's still a problem if there's still too much prominence there then you can address it after a tummy tuck and as i say, i don't know what the context of this case is this case this patient might have already had a tummy tuck so that's probably a more common situation as someone coming to you saying can you help me with my mons is usually someone who's had a tummy tuck and they've got prominence there. So once you've had a tummy tuck, then yes, you can do things. Then then you can take some skin out and reduce the skin because that incision is scarred down and is set, so it's less likely to migrate up. So you can take some skin out, plus or minus some liposuction, depending on how um, full the mons is. So liposuction will be the first uh, uh, option, but then as I said earlier, that doesn't take any skin out. So you could take a, a wedge of skin out um, later after having your tummy tuck as a secondary procedure. Whoa. Hope you have something nice for dinner. I had watermelon, strawberries and avocado. Wow, nice one, Olivia. Uh, no idea what I got for dinner. Um, Olivia, no idea. Oh, what's happened here? I'm thin top. My belly and thighs are and arse. Oh, God, getting the words, the rude words are, you should, are a disaster. Can you help me? <laughs> I'm thin top, belly, thighs. Um, well, there's a question, Ange. There is a question. Um, well, I could have a go. I could have a bash. I could have a bash. I mean, what could go wrong? Um, no, quite a lot could go wrong, actually. Oh, look, Ange has given her handle on Twitter. That's what we need, guys. Come on. Um, what do they say? Shout out your handle on Twitter. Uh, I'll shout it out to my followers. Hey Ange, I'll um, I'll look you up on Twitter. Well, I won't actually because I feel a bit funny. I don't know whether it's good to follow patients on Twitter. Does that look weird? Is that acceptable? I don't know. I don't know about any of this stuff. Same on Instagram. Is it acceptable? Follow when someone follows me. I suppose I'll follow them. Twitter, you know, all this stuff about tw- you know, follow, follow, follow me, and I'll follow you back. That's what one says, isn't it? But I'm like. Is that right? Should I be following people back? Maybe they don't want me to follow them back. Maybe they want, you know, 
Good personal. Anyway, um, sorry, how do we get on to this? Yeah, Ange. So, um, so belly, yes. Belly definitely help you, Ange. Well, I say definitely. Um, belly, the classic is a tummy tuck. Uh, it's usually for people who lost weight or had children. And it's usually due to, ex- due to excess skin. The first thing if you're having any body contouring is get your weight right first. A lot of people say, oh, I won the lottery and I'll have some tummy tuck and all that and all that. If your weight's not right, you're wasting your money. Get your weight right first before considering any sort of body contouring. So belly, yes. Tummy tuck, very popular procedure. Nice scar hidden in the bikini line. There is one around the belly button as well. Thighs, less common. And when you go looking on the internet for um, surgery, you'll find less written about thigh, thigh lifts because thighs is a more difficult problem to correct. Alpha thighs can be treated with liposuction. Inner thighs respond less well to liposuction because it's usually thin, the skin is thin and it, and it doesn't recoil. So you usually have to do something to the skin. And the best way to treat it is by cutting the skin out in a longitudinal direction to give you a big long scar down the inner aspect of your thigh, which has cosmetic um, connotations. So, you know, you might say, hold on a minute, I'm having this for cosmetic reasons. I don't want a big scar because then I, you know, can't show my thighs. And I totally understand that. So um, thighs is a less common procedure than a tummy tuck. And then um, uh, um, uh, buttocks, should we say? Um, is, is again a more difficult problem to treat. We don't really treat it in this country. To be, well, I don't anyway. I don't do things to the buttocks um, because it's a bit of a controversial subject. Uh, there have been issues with um, a lot of complications in terms of people doing fat grafting to the buttocks. So some people are now going back to using implants and what have you. To be honest with you, Ange, it's not really been something that I have um, got into. So I'm not really a buttock kind of guy so i can definitely help with the tummy i will have a conversation with you about your thighs because that might be something that you might want to have done but you'd have to accept the big long scar so you might not fancy that and the uh, buttocks probably not going to be able to be desperately helpful with your with your buttocks Ange. but um yeah i'm kind of 12 on the top and 18 at the bottom yeah as i say weight loss first and then, yeah, contouring surgery might be an option for you, Ange. Uh, oh, look, Olivia's putting her hand on there. Nice one. Thank you, Olivia. Can you adjust the breast pocket after breast implants to stop them being so low and falling to the side when you lay down? Yes, you can, Susan. Um, and a lot of people worry about this falling to the side thing. And breasts do, you know, I think a lot of people worry when they have implants that they're not going to move. They're just going to sit there. So... You know, you want them to move a bit, and breasts do normally move to the side when you lie to the back. So, you want things to be a bit natural. You don't want to necessarily, I mean, they don't move as much as a normal breast moves, but they do move. So, you've got to get the balance right. So, I don't know if this is sort of pathologically falling to your side, if it's looking really weird, the fact that they're falling to your side, or you just want them to stay there when you lie back. You don't want them to to move. Because the other thing, Susan, you've got to realize is you've got breasts there, you've got your normal breast tissue. So your breast tissue is going to do its thing. You can't stop your breast tissue. Really. So you want the implants to do what your breasts are doing. You want your implants to stay with your breasts. You don't want your implants to stay there and your breasts to fall to the side. So if you've got a significant amount of breast tissue, um, you know, that might mean that your breasts will fall to the side when you lie on your back, just like everyone's does. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, so in answer to your question, can you adjust the breast pocket? Yes, you can. But what you've got to be careful about is, you know, making them too close to the too, too central. 
if you feel that they're too lateral. You know, you can get a web between the two if you make them too close together. You get sim masica, which is a really hard problem to correct. Um, you're saying they're low. Now, that's a problem. If they're low, then that is a problem, bottoming out, so-called. So, um, you know, if, they, if they're low and your inframammary fold is too low, then it is possible to raise them and redefine the inframammary fold. Not desperately easy to, to do, but it's definitely a doable option. So I think out of the two problems, if your impulse are too low and falling to the side, I think the falling to the side thing might need a bit of a discussion. But the sitting low would be would be something that could well be um, fixed if they are if they are too low um, by re, right, re, uh, reconstituting that inframemory fold. So um, that's. Uh, I had a chat with you. I, I chat with you on Twitter. Oh, good to, good to chat, Ange. Good to chat. Good. Well, let's chat on. Chat on. Yeah, loving it. I like Twitter. I like Twitter. It's probably the place where I personally am more than Facebook and Instagram. It's more of my personal thing. Facebook and Instagram I use a bit more for the business. But um, yeah, Nivea says follow me. Right. I'm about to have ACL revision, bugging my knee for the second time. Well, that's a big op, Ange. It's a big op. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself time to get over that. That's a big op. Um, here we go. Christian, come on, Christian, what are you asking a question for? Surely you know. What what do you when do you when you do an exchange of implants without capsular contraction? Oh, hold on a minute. Oh look at that. That's, it's gone it's gone um sorry, it's I lost it then. When you do an exchange of implants without capsular contraction, do you leave the capsule? Do you remote? Um thank you, Christian. When you do an exchange of implants without capsular contraction, do you leave the capsule? Getting a bit technical there, Christian. Um, number one, if I'm changing the type of implant. So if I'm going from silicone, uh, yeah, okay. So if I'm going from silicone to polyurethane, then yes, I do. I do a total capsulectomy if I'm going silicone to polyurethane because I want that polyurethane to sort of integrate into the tissue. So I want a fresh capsule. The problem I've had, Christian, is in people who haven't got much of a capsule. That's the paradox. If they've got a hard capsule, it's easy, isn't it? You know, you get a nice capsule, it's quite easy to find. It's when they've got a really gossamer thin, and this is something I, to be, I'll be honest with you, Christian, I struggle with. If they've got a really gossamer thin capsule, uh, I've had a lot of those PIP patients have really gossamer thin capsules. It's actually quite hard to do a capsulectomy if the capsule is really thin, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to remove breast tissue. So you've got to be, you know, you, you, you I find it difficult. But if I was going from a silicone to a polyurethane, yes, I would aim to do a total capsulectomy. And the harder the capsule, the easier it is. You would hope that often an indication from going from silicone to, uh, to polyurethane would be a capsular contracture. So you'd hope they've got a bit of a capsule there. But if they haven't got a bit of a capsule there, and as I said, I found this a lot with those PIP implants where people were having the implants removed when they didn't necessarily have a problem with the implants just because they were PIP. Um, it was quite hard to do a capsulectomy. So if I'm putting silicone to silicone and they haven't got a capsule, I will not necessarily do a, well, I won't do a capsulectomy if they, ha if they haven't got a hard capsule. I might do a capsulotomy or a limited capsulectomy, um, but I would aim to remove it all if I'm going polyurethane, but I do struggle if it's very thin. What about you, Christian? What do you do? Do you, uh, do you do, would you do, do the same or um, yeah I'll try and take it that you do the same <laughs> I hope the connections all right because it went poor, poor connection halfway there um, so uh, 
what's going to go on here? Lorraine. Lorraine's got a big one. I had breast implants and lift. Um, I don't know if I've got some dodgy. I had a breast implants and lift in May 19. Soon as I came around from surgery, I knew something felt wrong as surgeon was pushing my right breast in. Since then, it's been really sore. It's flat, droops under my arm. NHS won't touch me because I had it done abroad. I actually feel like cutting that out myself. Okay. Made stupid decision while in deep grief and depression. Used all my savings to get it done. Worst decision in my life. Hate my body and have never felt so lethargic in my life. Wow. Uh, Lorraine, that's bad news. Um, breast in, Lorraine, breast implants and lift. I rest my case. I... Um, I, I, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough op, you know, it's a tough op, and um, you know, it's, it's easy not to get it right. And I, and I tell you, Lorraine, I always say to people, go to your original surgeon if you have problems, because they're the ones that are going to be best placed to help you. Uh, the NHS won't help you, no, not if it's just the way that it looks. You should go to your original surgeon. And Lorraine, this is a problem with going abroad. It is difficult when it go, you know, it, the complication rate of cosmetic surgery is pretty low. But if you do get a problem, it's just a bit of a nightmare if you go abroad. And, you know, it's a lot cheaper to go abroad. And sometimes you're fine and have a great experience. And you think, wow, that's great. I've saved all this money. But sometimes you don't. It's a bit of a gamble. And if you do have a problem, the gamble doesn't pay off. And that, and that is the problem. And I, and I was talking about this the other day. Because a lot of the, the surgery that we do in this country, we do charge more than when you go abroad but the surgery includes all the aftercare so all the aftercare any issues any problems that's all included so um you can't really just buy the aftercare you can't really just get an aftercare package um in this country so it is a, it is a problem so i'm really sorry to hear that you're not happy lorraine um but it is a big offer a breast implant breast lift and implants susan said yes it looks weird Oh, that's when it, oh, it looks weird. Well, the lowness, Susan, I think would be helpful. I'm not sure about the, um, I don't even have a cleavage, totally disgusting they are. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So, yeah, I mean, if you haven't got a cleavage, are they too wide then, Lorraine? So, you know, anyway, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's a tricky one, Lorraine. Maybe try and talk to your surgeon and see what they can do. Susan, thank you. Connection's fine. Christian, what's Christian saying? I have the, uh, before, I have the feeling that polyurethane implants stick to the capsule as well. I often just scratch it. I don't have that feeling, Christian. I don't feel that it sticks to the capsule. Um, yeah, so you just sort of do capsulotomy. I um, I would try and remove the capsule to have a proper raw surface to get the you know the blood and everything going into the heme into the polyurethane to really make it integrate. So I would try, personally, that's what I do, Christian. I, I try and do it. I try and do it. I aim for a total capsulectomy if I'm changing to polyurethane. Aim for a total capsulectomy. Um, uh, yeah. Lorraine, thank you. God, Lorraine, I don't feel I've done much help, but I feel terrible. You, you're, you're very unhappy with your surgery, but um, uh, and the feel so lethargic. You might feel lethargic because you had a bad result, but it, you might feel lethargic because of this breast implant illness, which is another issue. Um, but yeah, Lorraine, it is tricky. It is a tricky situation you're in. 
foinering if I have it. I don't know if I can what, what I can say. If there's if there's a specific thing I can try and help with, then yeah, I definitely um definitely help. But I think in general terms, I do feel sorry for people who and I do speak or at least see them quite a bit who have had surgery overseas and are not happy um with with the results. And um yeah. Facebook stopped. Okay. So, um, right. I mean, not Facebook, Instagram. No. So, I hope that was helpful. Um, I am going to check myself out, if that's all right. But don't panic. Seven o'clock next Tuesday night. You know where I'll be. Yes, that's right. I'll be here. I expect you to be here too. I will see you then. And um, love you lots. Have a good evening. And Lorraine, I'll be thinking of you. Hope that um, things get better for you. And uh, I'm enjoying my new office environment. Hasta la vista. See you next week. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.